Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Just getting myself sorted, that's it. Well, my name's Tony. Welcome. Add another welcome. If you're here for the first time, you're especially welcome. If you're here for the third time, brilliant, well done. You must be thinking, all they talk about is vision. Well, vision is really important. And uh, I love the fact, in, we just experienced the presence of God, haven't we? How worship, our time of worship has been amazing. And uh, part of the vision is to enjoy God, to enjoy his grace. And we've experienced that this morning. And uh, I've been around a while as a Christian, I don't know, 20, I was 24 when I became a Christian, and I think it gets deeper. The, the knowing God, the enjoying God's grace gets deeper and deeper, and just to experience his love and his, you know, just to adore him is a brilliant thing. So tonight, I'll just a little plug as well, I want to add a bit. If you, if you want to experience more of God, come along tonight. I know Sunday night's is one of those nights where we get everything ready for the week. I do get it, and you might be too busy, and of course... Be blessed in your homes and stuff like that. But if you are around, come along and experience God and come and do business with God. Anyway, that's the beginning bit. Um, Andy and Ju started with their little introduction about going to the local school and they're putting on their best display. And um, you, I've got a bit of a cold going on, you might notice that. And uh, so Jenny, my wife, she said, you've got to sort something out. Go to the pharmacist. I don't want to go to the pharmacist, but I, I did go. And uh, they sold me this stuff that you spray up your nose. Eight pounds. I think, surely this is going to sort me out just like that for eight pounds. I mean, that's a lot of money, right? And I read the stuff, and I didn't see anything that might help, but it did say it would be like a mountain experience. And uh, I tried it on my way to Fulham. That wasn't a mountain experience either. But anyway, I sprayed this stuff up my nose and I'm driving at the same time. Not a good idea. But anyway, I did that and uh, my eyes were watering, still the same. And I thought, let's try again today. So this morning I got up and sprayed a couple of times and I thought, it's not quite working for me, you know. Maybe go a bit higher. <laughs> anyway, I tried a bit higher, right? And uh, then my nose bled a bit. But anyway, I'm here. <laughs> As Andy said earlier or Julia said earlier... Whatever the world offers, it's going to let you down somewhere. But the word of God will never let you down. His promises are true. So let's get into the third part of the, of the vision statement. And uh, let's start by saying, that, like, I'm not going to ask you to repeat it with me, but the, the vision statement we've got for Grace Church moving forward is to grow a healthy church that enjoys the grace of God and declares and demonstrates that grace to the communities we live in. And so it's really important to grasp this because this is where we're going. And the vision is a natural progression from what the vision was before. This is not something completely different. We're building on the shoulders of faithful men and women who've been playing their part in the life of Grace Church. And, and, and I'm a new person here, right? But some of you have been playing your part even from the very beginning. And praise God for that. Because there's nothing greater than to give ourselves to the work of God. It's the best thing for all of us. I hope you're excited by the vision that God has given us to grow a healthy church. In other words, to love one another, to dis disciple, I nearly said discipline is like you, Julia, to disciple one another towards maturity in Christ. What a calling. And Joe said last week, the plumb line is the word of God. 
And we're to be a people who enjoy the grace of God. And the statement says, enjoys. Either way, the vision reminds us that this is a continual experience. It's not something that happened many weeks ago or months ago or even years ago. It's to be continually enjoying the grace of God. So let's walk through what it could look like to declare. So this is the third part, and the third part is about declaring and demonstrating this grace to those around us. And I think it's important for us to see all of the components of our vision, that they are totally biblical. And as a church already, to some extent, we're living this out, we're working this out, but there is more. There's so much more for us at Grace Church. And so the first one is to declare that grace to our communities. And how do you feel about sharing the good news of God's grace? How do you feel about taking action that demonstrates this grace, the love of God to those around us? And when we talk about declaring God's grace, obviously we're talking about sharing Jesus with others, sharing our faith. And this is one of probably two areas, there might be more, I'm sure there are, but two areas where we can always feel we could do better, sharing our faith and prayer. But we're on a journey, right? We're learning, we're growing in God. Often when we think about declaring stuff about Jesus, we can raise in our hearts and in our heads reasonable objections. I've got no unchurched friends. I'm too busy. I've tried it before and it just doesn't work for me. I'm an introvert. I hate the rejection. I get it, right? I feel the same often. I use the same excuse or a different excuse to you perhaps. I say things like now, well, now I work for the church. It's very limited. My opportunities are just, you know, I'm around church people all the time. When I used to drive a London taxi, there was opportunity after opportunity, but that didn't mean I took them all. We all have opportunities. A couple of weeks ago, something like that, I was getting my hair cut. And it's a great place to have a conversation, right? You know, you, you only see them once a month for a haircut. And, uh, well, that's what I do anyway. And uh, they always ask you a similar question, I reckon. How's your day? Have you had a busy day? That sort of thing. And I always have that opportunity, right? What am I going to say? No, it's my day off. Or, yeah, it's been really busy. Or, no, not very busy at all. Or... Actually, I've had a really busy day. You wouldn't believe what I've been doing. And they, you know, get a bit of intrigue. Now, I'm not going to tell you what one I took the last time. It definitely wasn't that last one. But I did try and some pathetic attempt to bring Jesus into the conversation. It didn't go well. But anyway, that doesn't matter. I made an effort. Let's read some verses from the Bible. Matthew 28, 16 to 20 says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the end of the very age. The Great Commission... Jesus has not poured his grace out upon us to be kept inside, to be kept in these four walls. It's a call on our lives to obey him and follow him. 
It happens as we enjoy that grace. That's the most important thing. And Joe has emphasised that over the last couple of weeks, to enjoy the grace of God. That's where it flows from. Our salvation is not dependent upon us sharing the good news of Jesus. We're saved. We don't, it's not part of the deal, but it's just something that happens when we're enjoying the grace of God, when we're enjoying him. It's our response to his grace. And these are the classic verses as we talk about declaring Jesus. If you've been around church for more than five minutes, you'll know this is the Great Commission. And it gets us every time, I reckon. We know this is what we're meant to be doing. And sometimes it can feel hard. It can feel like a real challenge to us. Rather than hearing the verse where it says, therefore, go, it's more like, therefore, no. No, not me. Choose someone else. Choose the extrovert. Clearly, this is a mandate on our lives. It's part of the vision of Grace Church to go and declare Jesus. So let's unpack the verses a little, and I hope it removes some of the burden that we might think. Now, there is a burden in God, but it's a light burden, and I want to hopefully we'll help with that. And I hope it fills us with faith and excitement for what he might do as we follow and obey him. So let's keep that vision before us, the Great Commission to go. So verse 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. And this is an important word. It says then. The disciples acted upon a previous event. That's what the then word means. And the event is the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus had caused a stir. He said he would rise again. So the Roman guards secured the tomb as best as they possibly knew how that didn't prevent Jesus being coming alive. That's what they did. The soldiers, when Jesus rose from the grave, there's a cohort of Roman soldiers, tough like SAS-type soldiers, guarding the tomb, and Jesus came alive, and it says in the Bible they were as dead men. And then an angel speaks to the women who went to the tomb. Don't be afraid. Jesus is alive. Go and tell the boys. Go and tell the disciples. Go to Galilee. Then Jesus meets these women, these two women, and confirms, tell them, go to Galilee. While all this is going on, there's more turmoil going on. The chief priests are putting it out there that the body has been stolen. So the disciples are now wanted men as well as frightened men. It's not great. Verse 17 says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. They have done as Jesus said. They went to Galilee to meet him. And then Jesus approaches and it says they worshipped him. Quite amazing, really. But it's interesting, right? There's 11 of them. And it said, and some doubted. The group of 11 and some doubted. But they were not written off. And I love that. I don't have perfect faith. I don't know about you. I won't ask for a show of hands because you don't want to show off or nothing. But, you know, who in this room has perfect faith? It's unlikely that any of us have perfect faith. But this means you and I are not disqualified. If you thought you couldn't share your faith because you haven't got it all sorted, then this is good news. You don't have to have everything perfectly lined up. It's like the disciples are looking. Jesus is a little way off. 
I don't know how far, but he's not right up close. Is this you, Jesus? I think it is. Oh, I worship you, Jesus. Is it Jesus? Can you see this, the tension there of worship and, and doubt? They are all commissioned. It wasn't like, ah, oh, I'll have the best six or the best seven. It's not like they have to have perfect faith. You're in if you have a good education. Or you're in if you have the perfect family life. It's not about that. They worship Jesus because he'd overcome death. And because God himself in Jesus drew near to them. And our joy in God and our enjoying of the grace of God is totally, and it came through in our worship, is about Jesus and about Jesus defeating death. Suddenly the disciples got it. Well, most of it, or some of them. But that's okay. Jesus knows that. Verse 18 says this, Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And it's okay, right, to have a few doubts and a few wobbles along the way, because all authority is in Jesus. It's not in you and me. Jesus overcame death. Jesus doesn't actually need yours or my expertise. Surprise, surprise. It's freeing to know it's all about him, that he rules and he reigns. He can, use, he can choose to use our stumbling efforts in a barber's shop or wherever else we might be when we think we've messed it up and God can still use you and me because it's his work. Jesus has done all the work. Only in Jesus can hearts be changed. Jesus came close to them and he draws close to us as he always does. Jesus is saying this to his disciples, I've got this. I am who I say I am. This is the God who comes close to us. Jesus is not far off. And Jesus is not far off from these disciples. He doesn't come with a booming voice. Go, he's drawing close to his disciples. He leans in. He's saying the pressure is off. It's my authority. You don't have to try and be powerful and have all the answers. I do the saving. I do the healing. I do the reconciling. I can send you, and I can send you and you, and he can send me because he is God. And this is brilliant. This is good news. It takes the pressure off. Is he sending you because you're gifted? Is he sending you because you're super intelligent? Because you come from a stable background? No. He's sending you because of Jesus. It's not like, like God is the head teacher, right? It's not like he's the head teacher and we do our homework, attempting all the right answers, making sure we speak to all the right people every moment in the day. And then he says to us, mm, could have done better, let me down there. That's not what God's like. It's like Jesus has got the A grade, the best, I know they don't do that sort of thing now, it's changed, right, apparently. But anyway, whatever the best grade is, Jesus has got the best grade. And then he abolishes the exam system. He gets rid of the whole thing. And he says, because I've passed, you're all in. So let's get rid of that. Let's go and have some fun. Let's go on an adventure. 
And verse 19 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The key verse, you would say, is we declare Jesus to our friends and family, work colleagues, is, is go. But it's there because of what precedes it, what is before it. It's the kindness of God. God reaching out to all of us right across the nations. It's for all peoples. Make disciples of all nations. All are welcome. Out of our enjoyment of God, out of that closeness to God, we get the joy and privilege of sharing the best news ever. It says in the Bible, one plants, one waters, but God causes the growth. What a joy that is. I've taken my first little step now I'm out in the countryside of planting some uh, grass seed. And, I've, and I, it's growing. Like, I'm so excited about this. I just wanted to get that verse in to tell you that I'm getting used to this country life, right? But the grass is growing. I probably need some help because I saw some patches and I just throw more seed on. But the thing is, it grows. And that's what it's like with the gospel. We say our little stumbling efforts. Someone else adds a little bit more. But God brings the growth. Verse 20 says this, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I love this bit, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. And Tim brought that word about people in the canteen. Where are we going? There is no hope. But we know there is hope in Jesus, not just a forlorn, fingers-crossed hope. It's a hope that changes everything and is with us always. I want to go again with fresh faith and confidence because he has got this. And because he has got this, not only that, he has got you and he's got me. I want to go again expecting the Holy Spirit to nudge me and prompt me and speak to that person go over there I want to have ears to hear because God will open up opportunities for you and for me I want to know his work and I'm so glad I don't go whenever I speak to someone or in whatever context he is with me and this really does change things as we look to declare the grace of God to those around us in our communities it might be through our alpha courses we've got one running through our Christmas events, our carol service, when we go out and do stuff outside. It might be in our little bears thing. It might be at the school gate, wherever it is. But we have an opportunity to declare the grace of God. And it's so central to what we want to be seeing happening here at Grace Church. And to move on, to demonstrate that grace to our communities, the second part. And this is the final part of our vision, is the to demonstrate that grace to our communities. There are clearly differences between declare and demonstrate, but they're very closely linked. Demonstrating is action in our communities. We're a multi-site church, Bognor and Haven and Chichester, and we could all meet here and have a great time enjoying the grace of God. I don't know if you can remember the meetings we had just before the camp out, if you've been around as long as that, just in the summer, we all gathered together from Haven and Bognor and Chichester. We all came here and it was like packed out. It was brilliant. We had a fantastic time. I loved it. I'm sure you did too. But God's invitation is to all. And we're here for a reason. 
And the benefits of this is we can reach more communities. I've got a question for you. What would the communities of Bognor, Havant, Midhurst, Chichester, would they notice if we closed? I think they really would. However, we long for greater influence and impact. Demonstrating the grace of God is tangible. And I'm still living with a justice series earlier on at the beginning of the summer. And this verse from Micah is a key verse. It says this, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly before your God. Now this verse was the overarching verse of the series. To act justly is to be proactive. To care for the poor, the lonely, the widow, the immigrant, the elderly. And I said demonstrating the grace of God is closely linked to declaring the grace of God. Because I can't get away from the significance, and Joe mentioned it right at the beginning of that series. And he said, some, he said this, we give bread anyway. In other words, we do good. We help the people in need. We help those who are really poorly off in many, many different ways. Because this is the call of God on us as a church. It's in the Bible. And it's part of the vision of Grace Church. And demonstrating this grace, we can do individually. Reaching out to a vulnerable neighbour. Feeding a homeless person. Some people have even offered a home for a refugee. But we can also do this together. And what does that look like? And what could it look like for us? Maybe joining in with what's already going on, other church initiatives. Heart is a local organisation, local charity around here, serving the homeless every morning, seven mornings a week. Incredible. Maybe there's stuff we can do. It's not a call to burn ourselves out. It's a call to do what God has called us to do. We're just exercising the talents that God has given us. We walk in the things that God has put before us because his grace is always enough. There's nothing better than doing the things God has called us to do, either together or individually. God will give us all that we need as we move out in these areas. So what can we do? Maybe connect with more local food banks, life skill courses, cap money courses. We plan to open the building uh, one day a week or a morning a week for people to come in, a warm space, a place where they can know and encounter the love of God, but open it up to people who need a space. Declare and demonstrate is tied together. James 2, 14 to 17 says this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Now look, around the room we have different capacities. We're at different stages of life. We have different responsibilities. But we all have this treasure to give away. Help and hope is what the people of God offer. And vision is so important. 
People without vision perish. And our vision here at Grace Church is so biblical and represents God's heart for us and the world. Part one of the book called Grace Church is over. Joe mentioned that right at the beginning. And as I said earlier, we move forward on the shoulders of some great men and women, and some of you are in this room. And now we build on those foundations. The vision to grow a healthy church that enjoys the grace of God and declares and demonstrates that grace to the communities we live in. And this is our future. It's not going to get changed next year without a rethink or anything like that. This is the future for Grace Church. And so we come to our gift day and our offering. And I want to just remind you, as we do this, we're giving to God first and foremost. And it has eternal consequences for our lives, for your life and for my life. And we live, as Tim said, and come at the front and said, in the canteen, everyone is complaining or worried and scared about the future, the hope. We live in turbulent times. I mean, you don't need, you need to be under a rock if you don't realise that. We live in very turbulent times in many, many ways, but particularly financial times that affects us as individuals and as families, but also affects the church. So there's a call on us to give sacrificially. And I know whatever comes in, God will meet the needs of Grace Church. And, you know, last week we had our first gift day and thank you so much for everyone who's given every last penny. Thank you so much. But I would say don't miss this opportunity to grow in God, grow in faith in God through our finances. And it's also an opportunity to say, I'm aligning with what I see God is doing at Grace Church, all that God is doing 